0: Junkies and Cinephiles, it's time for the SLS Cast with your hosts Matt and Tim. And welcome one and all to episode 248 of the SLS Cast. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, this is the Gematria Value episode of the SLS Cast because it turns out that in religion, There is a gematria value for the Hebrew Hebrew letters Ramach, which are Resh, Mem, and Hecht, traditionally depicted as the number of organs in the human body and the number of positive commandments in the Torah. That number, 248, and with that wonderful little bit of Jewish gematria knowledge, I Of course, Matt. And coming to us all
1: the way from sunny California would be our resident Sony employee... Tim! But you may call me MoviePass, Tim, because I successfully used MoviePass twice since we last spoke.
0: Ooh! Yes, I did finally get my MoviePass stuff in over the weekend and started using it, so...
1: Did it feel kind of nice, like you were cheating the system in some way? I don't know. I just like
0: that it didn't actually have the e-ticket option. So I got to double dip, I got to use the movie pass card, and then I got to get my Cinemark points. What
1: that's pretty cool. Yes sir. But then again, I don't think Cinemark like they're not they're not butting heads with movie pass like AMC is.
0: No. Um, I and I, I, I mean, it's whatever. AMC's so far behind the times. They're hemorrhaging cash because they bought everybody really fast to become the number one uh number one in size. Uh, and now they're like, what the fuck are we supposed to do with all this shit? So, meh, whatever. They'll <laughs> figure it out. <laughs> or go away. In, in either case, I'm fine with it.
1: AMC's the equivalent of a really angry old landowner from the TV show Dallas. Angry Movie Company. There we <laughs> go. That's AMC.
0: Angry Movie
1: Company. Oh, I Fun see what times. you did. I just got that. AMC Angry Movie Company. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, you you know, I was going for a thing, but then you swept in and butted in with an even better thing. I, I like, I like that. I like that.
0: <laughs> well, it wasn't intentional, but uh, I guess, nonetheless, I'm glad it happened. <laughs> so, how are you doing, sir?
1: I am doing well. How, I, I, I don't know how I feel about asking you this, because I don't know exactly what I will receive, as a response but how are you doing
0: i am one exceptionally frustrated guy right now uh due to water main breakage and dealing with property management companies and maintenance companies and municipal utility district people and yada 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 so that's how i am right now and no shit here we are at a little after 10 o'clock on the 19th of September as we record this show in, uh, in AD 2017, or if you're trying to be all politically correct, CE 2017 CE. Um, we may actually get interrupted by somebody showing up to be like, Hey, I'm here to work water. So, um, just, uh, just be ready for
1: that. Get your body ready. So, and <laughs> we're gonna have it recorded because I I hope that guy sounds exactly like that. <laughs> <laughs> that
0: would be that would be pretty cool. I'll make sure to open the door nice and wide, and you know, put turn the gain up on the mic to try and pick it up from you know, fifteen feet away. <laughs> No, I've got a big test in Spanish tomorrow, and I've got to finish studying for that after we get done with this, because I've been dealing with a whole bunch of other crap today, and all sorts of behind, and... (sighs) But, you know, it's okay. It's okay. It's gonna be okay. We'll figure it out. Life, life will be good. I'm not, you know... At least we have
1: things to bitch about right? That's something. That is true and I guess the silver lining in all of this, Matthew is that I believe our sack has a little present for us within it, within that sack It does, it does Well,
0: I guess since you've mentioned it, let's just go right to it. Are you ready? Check that
1: mail sack, check it good. Check that mail sack like you should (laughs)
0: All right, you heard it folks, did you hear? Did you hear the fanfare this time? There was no castration. And we don't suck again. Well, maybe we just suck in the good way now. Um, I don't I don't know. Just let that go. All right, so we have an email from our wonderful Miss Diana Weeks. The subject line it. And she writes, Hi guys! I saw it last night and listened to the podcast this morning, so all is fresh, so I got aha moments to write about. Although a Stephen King novel fan, I have never cared much for the movies done of them. Just never had the same truly dark tone, though Carrie came close. However, with all this movie, with all this hype for this movie, I figured I'd check it out despite my misgivings. I read a couple of reviews and was perplexed at one reviewer saying it was comedic and he actually laughed. Now I'm scratching my head at that because everyone else said it was truly horrifying. Well, now I get it after seeing it and listening to tim's review he described what i felt walking out of the movie the horror was so over the top that is all caps there that it almost seemed they were mocking the genre pennywise was creepily horrific but almost cartoonish at times i e the dance i did enjoy the movie and agree with tim's rating the kids were amazing actors and i look forward to chapter 2 however i really think they were mocking the horror genre this This is a-okay with me as I'm not a true horror movie fan. I don't go to see movies like Saw because I don't want nightmares. I made an exception for It because I read the book. No nightmares last night. I think it was because of the almost farcical treatment of the scary stuff. Highly entertaining. So you non-horror fans should go see it. The teen actors are magnificent as is the cinematography. Two thumbs up. Again, all in caps there. Good call, Tim. Thanks for putting into words what was bugging me in a good way about it. Ta-ta for now, Diana. And I guess maybe someday she'll like something I have to say. But in the meantime, (laughs) perhaps she'll acknowledge that there was another preview. But um, in the meantime... (laughs) Yay. Good, good job, Tim. (laughs) I am, I am literally now verboten. I, it's not even, it's like, you know, there was, well, there was guys plural. I suppose that was me. The S in guys. Oh, what, was
1: it an S or was it a Z? Like guys.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, just an S. Hi, guys. Uh, You know, with with an S. Yeah. Uh, You know, comma. Proper greeting.
1: Well, maybe, maybe your review, just like the movie, Was too streamlined for a mass audience.
0: It it is entirely possible, it (laughs) truly is. But in all seriousness, Diana, thank you. Um, We always love hearing from you, and um, as as I have often said jokingly, although it's turning out to be rather prophetic. You are truly the reason we have an email box. So, thank you. Please send them. We love hearing from you. We love hearing from anybody. Um, I'm actually kind of looking forward to getting a piece of hate mail one day. Just so I could, just someone who is so vitriolically driven to send us something. Uh, and if that's you, send that email to the show at slscast.com. And, of course, if you'd like to follow us on Twitter, you can do that by following us at the SLS Cast. So... I guess we can just go ahead, and we have got a pretty action-packed show, because we need to get to our movie reviews, but we kind of have a sectioned review for Mother, because we're going to do a review, and then we've kind of got this big spoiler
1: section planned.
0: So, are we ready to jump right into it, sir?
1: Yes, hopefully it's going to take not only ten minutes to get through all this. Let's do it.
0: Well, we're gonna find <laughs> out. If it does, then hey, we've got news and crap we can talk about. We'll see. Here we go, folks. It's the movie. We All right, and this week's movies are Wind, River, and Mother. Because you can't see the exclamation point. I have to give you the exclamation point. Mother! And so that's what I have done, I feel. Which movie would you like to start off with, sir? Do you want to get the hard one out of the way or do you want to do the easy
1: one? Let's do a Wind, wind River. Wind Wind
0: River. No, that's Moon River. Sorry. Moon river.
1: How would Barba Wawa say Wind ri- Wind River? <laughs> I'm having a hard time wind saying
0: it. Wind <laughs> Welcome. Welcome. I don't know. Is she married to the guy that goes, Marriage. Marriage is what brings us together today. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Alright. Wind River, 2017 American neo-western murder mystery thriller film, written and directed by Taylor Sheridan.
1: My family's people were forced here. Stuck here for a century. That's snow and silence. It's
0: the only thing that hasn't been taken from them. I need emergency assistance. The Wind River Indian Reservation. I'm
1: Jane Banner, FBI. That's Corey Lambert. He's the one who found the body.
0: Didn't you people get the memo that it's it's spring?
1: <laughs> Welcome to Wyoming.
0: How far do you think someone could run barefoot out here? I knew that girl. She's a fighter.
1: This is a side.
0: You driving this vet around? They asked me to do. It's not what I'm doing. What are you doing? I'm a hunter. What do you think I'm doing? You think there are multiple assailants? Shouldn't we just... Maybe
1: wait for some backup. This isn't a land of backup, Jane. This is a land of your on your own.
0: Oh, my God. those don't kill unlucky deer. You kill the weak ones. Not once, not ever. Hey,
1: FBI!
0: Out here, you survive, or you surrender. Film stars Jeremy Renner and Elizabeth Olsen as a U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service tracker and an FBI agent, respectively, who tried to solve a murder on the Wind River Indian Reservation in Wyoming. Um and really that is that is all you need to know plot wise going in. The dynamic that is given here is really, really spelled out very, very well. It's minimal dialogue uh in terms of setting up everything that's going on for Jeremy Renner, because Jeremy Renner is um more or less kind of the key to the whole movie, in my opinion. Um but they play all they play very well off each other. I'm telling you. It was so nice uh, to, to see Hawkeye and Scarlet Witch doing something else. i just saying, you know. Uh, and, of course, no, no funny business. There's, there's no funny business. This is straight-up uh, drama, uh, thriller action. And what I like about this is that they don't shy away in any way, shape, or form from two different things. One, reality of life. For Native Americans, um, and just pure character-driven plot. If the characters don't move forward, the plot doesn't move forward, and that is something that you rarely, rarely see anymore. Uh, and it's a big risk. It's a big risk, but but thankfully, you have got such an amazing backdrop to work with. Um, that the miniature statements they make about life on the reservation, uh, the weather, um, the, 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 the hunting aspect of the film the tracking aspect and everything all of these particular parts play into everything that goes for all the characters that you see and while the two primary characters are jeremy renner's character and elizabeth olsen's character um they are supported so well by such a great staff uh, it's great staff by such a uh by such great actors and actresses uh primarily those of a of an indigenous background and um you, you you just kind of can't help but like it the only problem with this movie is the climax now i i don't it's one of those catch-22s because the way that they angle the film again character driven so if the characters don't move forward right then the movie doesn't move forward and so they kind of lead you to a point of the movie where this mystery that they're trying to figure out the, this murder they're trying to solve uh has to has to play out because uh, clearly you're either going to solve the mystery or you're not um and so the way it plays out really and truly feels like an episode of like murder she wrote from the 80s like think way back real easy stuff and again I realized that it's to facilitate the character action. Um, and so it's not necessarily that it's a plot device, but I'm, I just don't, I, at, at, while I can't see how they could have done it better, I think they should have felt, they should have looked for a better way or had the characters come to the conclusions they come to in a different manner. Um, because, as the as the movie draws to a close, it settles on something completely different. So the way they so so the climax in and of itself could have been done differently to just maintain that character hold. And I and again I don't know necessarily the best way to do that. I mean this is this is truly some Oscar caliber stuff coming out of this movie, um, and it just feels like uh, it's sad to see. Something wasted on the climax, the way that it was. At the end of the day, though, I do give this a very, very solid four. I'm Jane Banner.
1: You by yourself? Yeah, it's just me. Well, no, Ben Shoyu, I'm the uh, tribal police chief. That's Corey Lambert with Fish and Wildlife. He's the one who found the body, and this is his uh, father-in-law, uh, Dan. You don't do nothing. They got the same job, eh?
0: Well, I'm sorry to meet under these circumstances. So do you want to show me the body? I don't mean to be rude, I'm just freezing my ass off here. So the quicker the, the better. Yeah, well that's going to get a lot worse if you go out there dressed like that.
1: Your body's five miles on snowmobile. I'm afraid you'd be dead by the time we got there.
0: I, I got the call when I was at a weapons horse river Riverton, so this is, this is what I've got. Well you should have a winter gear bag in that truck. Well, um no, that's not a government vehicle to rental. I flew in from Vegas. So I'm just the closest agent to the scene. You don't you don't think I can I can make it?
1: You... Oh, you're from Vegas? No,
0: I'm not I'm not from Vegas. I'm stationed
1: there. I am from Fort Lauderdale. I'm sorry. Um if we're gonna keep having this conversation. Let's get you fixed up inside, it's gonna be great. Thanks. Sorry, excuse me. Thanks. Let's see if they send us a
0: That is what I have.
1: What do you got there, Tim? This is a very good movie. It was only made for 11 million bucks. And as of now, again, September 19th, 2017, it's grossed about 30 million bucks. And uh, when I went to go see this movie, it was sold out. Uh, Every other time I went to the theater, like every single showing was sold out. So this movie has a pretty good following and it developed, I think, a very hearty word of mouth. I think on top of excellent performers in this movie, like Jeremy Renner and Elizabeth Olsen, I I think the writer-director Taylor Sheridan also brought some people in. Of course Taylor Sheridan was the writer of one of my favorite movies of last year, probably my absolute favorite movie of last year, Hell or High Water. And I going to kill these people one day. I'm going to go all fucking pennywise on these people and suck them into a motherfucking storm drain, eat their arms and then shit down their fucking esophaguses them those stupid fucking loud ass fucking i've never heard anybody clean their goddamn fucking dishes so fucking fucking loud it's so goddamn f-ing annoying it happens all the goddamn time Fuck those fucking. anyways don't hold back <laughs> tell us how you really feel <laughs> it, <laughs> it's, it's just frustrating because you can tell they're doing it on <laughs> purpose stupid One of my favorite movies last year, Hell or High Water. Hell or High Water was not directed by Taylor Sheridan. It was directed by somebody else. But one of the main things I got out of that movie was how wonderful the screenplay was. Not only were the characters incredibly rich, but the storytelling was incredibly vivid. From beginning to end, I was on board with these characters and this story. I really enjoyed Wind River. I don't want to take anything away from it, but I think Taylor Sheridan, I think he's a very competent and a very good director, but I think he is a better writer. And when you find, when you're a really good writer and you find somebody else to take the driver's seat of the, of the car that you built, I guess... I quickly went from movie terminology to car talk. I think that has the possibility of benefiting the overall film so much more. Because when you have a director taking on somebody else's great script, a great director taking on somebody else's great script, they're able to mold it and chisel down the sharp edges a little bit to make the film even better, maybe translate better. There you go, translate better on screen. I do like what this movie was building up to when it comes to the climactic third act, and I thought it was very satisfying. Very much like Hell or High Water. But unlike Hell or High Water, I wasn't as satisfied from beginning to end, I wasn't as attached. To these characters from beginning to end. Really, if I had to say there was one character I was on board with, was Jeremy Renners because he plays, I mean, there's no curtain in front of this guy. He is what he is, and you like him. You know he means well. And as the movie goes on, the layers kind of start to peel. But it's not a big reveal or anything like what drives him, what makes him tick. It's more human. And that's what made Hell or High Water work. And that's what, for me, made it a very satisfying human drama. And the climax of Wind River isn't this big, blown-up set piece or anything like that. It's like a very human chain of unfortunate events that plays out. And I did mention that Jeremy Renner was really the only character that I had some kind of feel for from beginning to end i personally thought elizabeth olson was underdeveloped or underutilized i guess her character was underdeveloped it felt like that she was just there to to be like the obvious counter character to the native americans like she shows up from vegas cuz she was out with girls at a bachelorette party or something she called in to go to this indian reservation and she has to change from her party girl whatever clothes, her vacation clothes, to, you know, she's wearing high heels and all this stuff, to wearing, like, the big jackets and whatnot to deal with the extreme cold weather. And as she's changing, she's wearing a thong, a skimpy green thong, I guess, to go with her dress. And, of course, the person who sees her and i um, com- I'm sorry, movie, movie point, movie point, I believe that's a French cut,
0: not a thong. A French
1: cut. Yes, oh,
0: because you can you can see the rise at the top of the crack over, coming over the, you know, along the waistline. Where in a thong, uh, it's a lot thinner along the waistline versus a G-string where it's literally just a string. I believe that is a French cut bikini.
1: Well, if there's anything you can get out of a review for probably an Oscar contender is that you now know the difference between a thong <laughs> and a piece of French cut <laughs> Ladies' lingerie. <laughs> but as she's changing, and you, the audience, see her, you know, she's wearing it. Uh, the Na- Native American, one of the Native American uh, women notices it and comments on it. So right off the bat, you know that she's going to have a little bit of pushback from that community, but it never really flushes out. You know, they don't really do anything else with that. So I couldn't tell, especially after the movie was over, and it was very satisfying, the movie as a whole. I just couldn't tell if they were just wanting to make a point, and that was just like an isolated point, or if they just didn't go about fleshing out that characterization out successfully. But other than that, I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. This is a... 4.25 out of 5. I highly recommend it. It's a satisfying flick, despite its faults. The music is great. I'm trying to remember who did... Nick Cave. Nick Cave is one of the two guys that provided the score for this movie. And it's very haunting. And the scenery is very cold, obviously cold, and haunting as well. And the whole movie is haunting, but it's not like the movie Prisoners type of haunting when you're trying to find a serial killer. It's more sad, And I I guess maybe that adds a little bit to the overall unevenness to the film. And I don't want to say unevenness because I really don't want to discourage people from seeing this movie. So I'm just going to leave it at that. 4.25 out of 5. Do go check out Wind River.
0: You're driving this fat around so she don't get lost? Is that it? That's what they asked me to do. That's not what I'm doing. What are you doing? I'm a hunter, Morton. What do you think I'm doing? If you find out who did this, I don't care who it is. You understand me? I will really do standard. my do doing. Right on, right on. And we aren't joking. We feel strongly that this will probably be some form of fashion of Oscar contender. So, um really if you get a chance to see it. Um all right, well then that leaves us with Mother 2017 dark fantasy psychological horror question mark film uh this is of course written and directed by darren aronofsky the movie stars uh jennifer lawrence javier bardem ed harris and michelle
1: pfeiffer uh
0: along with other people like the gleason brothers domnall and brian gleason. Are, are, are you
1: adding exclamation marks to various words now no just just
0: mother that's all just just that one <laughs> <laughs> but i will i do have kind of had to ask a bit of a question here uh, just before we even get into this movie how how is it that this poor bastard domnall gleason gets into like every major m- movie possible award season contender um controversial in one way shape or form and nobody knows who the fuck this guy is i mean last year he was in uh, no, was he last year? The year before, he was in like three Oscar-contending movies. I guess it was two years. Uh, two years ago,
1: yeah, it was the year of Star Wars. Yeah, he did Star Wars and Ex Machina and The Reverend, Reverend, Revenant, yeah. Revenant, <laughs> Revenant,
0: and and uh and uh what and, and the Irish the the girl from uh, Ireland who comes over. Uh, um, oh, what
1: is the it? girl from Ireland? At any rate, oh the, the, oh,
0: uh, Brooklyn, Brooklyn, yeah so he's in like all these movies you know he's he's a great actor as well he's a i mean he's just a really good actor always good he's it he's again he's in mother and i i and and nobody says anything about him nobody it's like he doesn't even exist all the controversy around the movie All also and he just does a damn good job i mean what the shit <laughs> huh. i don't know i feel bad for the guy I just really and truly feel bad. It's like the man, the man the Oscars refuse to recognize. The man the academy doesn't think exists. That's the title of his autobiography. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Watch, I bet you this guy gets nominated for something and he still doesn't get an invite. Like he won't even get invited to the show. <laughs> He'll sit in the back. <laughs> like you just see security randomly pulling this guy out from the back of the room
1: (laughs) it'll be like this he'll sit in the back he'll be nominated he'll get invited he has to sit in the back and he'll win but he's sitting so far away that by the time he gets up to the front (laughs) music starts
0: playing exactly (laughs) or or like he gets or like he gets nominated and then they're like doing the red carpet show and he just like runs by and security's chasing him or something you know (sighs) poor poor bastard um, there, there's your show title. Domhnall Gleeson, comma, poor bastard. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um... <laughs> oh <laughs> mother okay back to back to the topic at hand all right so mother is suffering badly at the box office uh if you're paying attention at all to cinema news uh it is one of the few movies to have ever gotten a uh cinema score of f it is a or a grade of f and that is audience based uh not critic based i, I want to say it's got like a 69 or 79 percent on rotten tomatoes so according to the critics it's doing you know it, it should be doing okay um there's been huge cries of bait and switch because people are thinking it's like this intense horror movie when it is clearly not that kind of a film um at the same time even paramount has stepped out and said look you know we're really proud of this movie it's brave to come out with these things and to a certain extent they're right because how often do we bemoan originality right where is the originality why is it all remakes well god damn it here you go um that being said this i would disagree with any aspect of horror um i think it's psychological thriller is fair um, i would even say dark fantasy is fair this is clearly though an allegory um if you want to go straight religion you can certainly do that if you want to go more of environmental you could certainly go that route as well i think that the film in and of itself uh was extremely well acted And I think that the movie was also um, very, very clearly had um, a precise agenda from Aronofsky. Now, the downside is for this movie is I just felt that it was too out of place and too heavy-handed. Uh, and and consequently, the film suffered greatly for me. I I knew very very little about it, and you guys know me. I try to avoid trailers at all costs. Uh, so I had the added benefit of not having a bait and switch experience. So I was not at all like the uh, like like the a lot of the audience members. Um, two people left in my screening, got up and walked how, out.
1: How crowded was it? Out of curiosity,
0: uh, about. I don't know twenty people okay I, I, yeah I mean it wasn't very crowded, but still so ten percent <laughs> um but yeah, so two people got up and walked out and and you could hear people just kind of like you could hear the questions on their brains as they're trying to watch this movie um again i I really uh, my problem is is I am not. A super huge Aronofsky fan. I have a lot of respect for what he's done. And for me, his movies are big time hit or miss. This, for me, falls in line with The Fountain. I absolutely adored Black Swan. Okay, I thought Black Swan was great. Um, There was another movie that I was actually looking at today... And uh, where was it? Um Jackie. We liked Jackie. We were talking about Jackie. But um we we also liked the fighter, which he was an executive producer of, um, not a director. Um I was not a big fan of Noah. Okay, so his movies are hit and miss for me. He did so the wrestler want you to... also. Oh, that's right. And the wrestler was fantastic. Um so and Requiem for a Dream. Um you know, a lot of people will talk about that for shock value and everything like that. And that one for me kind of falls in in between the scale. Uh, so I've I've seen a, a good deal of his films. So when I give you this score, because it's not a good score, please don't think it's because of bait and switch. And please don't think it's because I'm just hating on Aronofsky. Um, because I think more often than not, I like his stuff, uh, and I definitely have respect for um, the way he makes his movies. I just really feel that the way that the movie in and of itself plays out is just simply too heavy-handed and smacks of someone who is trying to show you how smart he is um, and make sure that you understand that. Regardless of whether or not you like it or even agree. And that is what draws me away from this film so hard. I, I, I appreciate what he was trying to do. I really and truly do. And I thought that for what it was, the acting is really, really good. Although I feel like most people, Kristen Wiig was just completely miscast. Um, but what have you. So
1: Distractingly. Miscast.
0: yeah and so at the end of the day i come down on this film as a 1.75 it gets all of its points i really really i can't truly get into hate territory but i just do not like this movie and it gets all of its points based on what aronofsky was going for the strength of his agenda even though i did not like it and i disagree with it um and not for any political or philosophical reasons i just it just did not resonate properly. Um, and the strength of the performances of the actors and actresses in it. I thought Michelle Pfeiffer was fantastic. I thought, uh, for what she was working with, um, Jennifer Lawrence did well. And I don't know about you, but I, I mean, I would be surprised if Javier Bardem doesn't get some form of passion of an Oscar nod, uh, out of this performance. And I don't care what anybody says. Uh, Audience-wise, um, so I can't deny that there's talent there, but it just absolutely was not for me. One point seven five. What do you got there, Tim?
1: I guess one question I have for you, since yeah. we're still in the non-spoiler section, is: Do you think that it was a waste of money? Like, cause I know you did the movie. I don't know if you did the movie pass thing or not for this movie. But if you were going to spend eight bucks, would you? Did you, would you think that you would have? That you got cheated out of that eight bucks, um, or it was a waste, I
0: should say. I I I don't think it's fair to say that I would have been cheated, um, because then that puts me in like the bait and switch camp, which that's that's not fair to this movie, especially because of the marketing. I mean, you know, um, but I personally would have felt, yeah, at a nighttime movie price, yes, I would have been like, what the fuck, did I just throw my money away on. Um, you know, matinee or you know the Tuesday special or whatever that they have at like Cinemark or whatever. Um, I still would have been disappointed, but I don't think I would have necessarily felt like you know wasted or necessarily. So
1: yeah. And to be fair about the Cinema Score thing, <laughs> like I'm looking at at what's what are these at some of these movies? Emoji movie got a B rating. Hitman's bodyguard B plus and and again that's why that's why I mean
0: this is strictly nut job two nutty by nature B plus it's all audience score and a lot of the audience score that's coming from the Cinema Score thing with the grading is simply because the marketing led people to think that this was going to be some straight up horror movie and I did go back eventually once I saw the Cinema Score article. I did go and look at the trailer, and I can see why people would be pissed about it. But at the same time, when you look at this kind of a movie, even with the allegorical nature of the film and how creepy it's meant to be, I mean, okay. I I don't know how else you could have really marketed the thing in order for it to make... Any kind of sense for someone to want to go see it other than diehard aronofsky fans
1: I, well, I think what gets me is that even Black Swan, you could even say Black Swan was marketed as a horror movie. I mean if you were going to put a label on it, both of these movies are psychological horror in a way well I guess it's just it's just Black maybe Swan is more thriller uh, okay I, I yeah would, thriller okay, I would say, say
0: thriller that. not horror so
1: yeah. Anyway. It's just really the only difference is that more audiences got behind Black Swan because it it was a little more familiar when it came to, or I guess streamlined, I guess, for audiences. Probably. That's the difference here, is that people want to watch things that they're familiar with. If it's a little bit weird and a little bit out of their comfort zone, comfort zone that's okay. But if you stray a little further... People just shut down because it's like they don't want to think about it, you know. Like they don't they don't want to apply themselves to what they're viewing. That's what bugs me. Like if you go and see the movie, and you don't like it. That's fine. Like I'm never gonna get mad at it, it or, or I would never get mad at anybody for just not enjoying a movie. But like if if you're not if somebody isn't smart about why they don't like it, and they can't acknowledge that there was some kind of thought and craftsmanship that was put into making that movie, then I just think those people are dumb. If you're willing just to call something shit without acknowledging. Obviously, if a movie is just plain shit, you know, that's a different story. But at least with this one, there's more to it. I mean, I'm not, I am not—I don't want it to sound like I'm pissing on you at all, Matt. I get your review. But one thing we didn't do was do a plot. So, for those of you who have not seen it, which is probably most of you, I have this quick little synopsis. Quickly, I have a spoiler-free one here from a Variety article. The Variety article is simply titled, Film Review, Jennifer Lawrence in Mother, written by Owen Lieberman, and uh, it's from September 5th, 2017. And the quick synopsis is as follows. It's a little paragraph here, and it says this, In the remote green countryside, Lawrence plays the young second wife of a middle-aged celebrity author of feel-good poetry played by Javier Bardem. The characters are identified in the credits only as mother and him. She's renovating the couple's exquisitely tasteful and spacious rustic Victorian mansion, The place sits in the middle of nowhere, surrounded by nothing but grass and trees and wind, like a wooden octagonal country castle. No road, no driveway, no cell phone service. It's a house with great bones, as they say, but the place was burned in a fire, which destroyed everything Bardem had, including his first wife— in the ashes, he found a burnished crystal, which gave him the faith to go on. It's mounted in a study. And Lawrence wants to feel the faith, too. She isn't just fixing up a house. She's restoring their lives. There you go. Nice and spoiler-free. So this is what I think about Mother. Darren Aronofsky clearly had a lot on his mind when he was writing the script for this movie. And for the most part, I thought he did a pretty interesting and competent job conveying his thoughts on screen. Not only was he critiquing religion, but he was also critiquing like mass notoriety and the entertainment industry as well. But much of these elements really do come into play during the film's final act. All of this symbolism comes into play at the film's final act. With each of these elements just kind of like being thrown at the audience one after another often with such speed and intensity just kind of flashing at you that it's really difficult to make sense of some of this stuff. And I'm not one to criticize, again, an unconventional Hollywood film crafted by a very intelligent, skillful director. I mean, this is a Paramount Pictures movie, and it's also starring A-list actors with Bardem, Jennifer Lawrence, and Ed Harris, and Michelle Pfeiffer. So I'm not one to criticize an original film made by an original director, with a list actors from a Hollywood movie studio and the director who is able to make a unconventional Hollywood film outside the confines of a standard thriller horror structure but i think it would be foolish to say that there aren't that many faults with the movie either I mean, the problem with Mother (laughs) isn't its unconventional and unsettling nature, but its avalanche of symbolic ideas that fall from the bucket as soon as it's finally tipped over. 75% of this flick is very good and expertly made with dizzying but well-executed camera work and stellar performances, keeping the audience engaged and ready for whatever comes next. During the time, you never quite know when the story will kick into high gear and where it'll head towards. Once you come up with your own conclusions, something else happens, taking the film into another direction. It would be foolish for anyone to say that Mother lacks competent ideas. That lacks any competent ideas, I should say, because it's full of competent ideas. It's just the timing as to when those ideas actually hits the screen. That is when things become sloppy and rushed. 3.75 out of 5 in my book, it's an experience. And that's all I'll say right now. So the SLS score is 2, so that's not too bad.
0: I'm sorry, I, okay, what was, your, what was your score? 3.75.
1: Uh,
0: okay, well, that is true, wait. Wouldn't it be two point five? Wait, three point seven five and one point seven five is five and a half, right?
1: Yes, I was testing your mathematical abilities. So uh, two point
0: abilities. Two point two five, right? Yeah, one point seven five plus three point seven five divided by two, two point seven five even. Ha ha! Picked up a whole point seven five. Yeah, yay! Okay, well there you go. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Why don't you want kids? Excuse me? I saw how you reacted earlier. I know what it's like when you're just starting out and you think you have all the time in the world. And, you know, you're not going to be so young forever. Have kids. Then you'll be creating something together. This is all just... setting.
0: All right. Well, then allow me. If I may, I I stumbled across this earlier today and had to save it. I found it on Reddit. This is from a user who posted in the movie subreddit. Uh, the user's name is, and I quote, "Mountain Dew's real good."
1: But a, a quick question, though, yeah, does mm. it does it go into the like the specific weirdness that happened that kind of pops up throughout the movie? Oh yeah. Yeah, no, it does. Is, okay.
0: This is fantastic. This is by far and away the best. Spoiler intensive. Now, this does take the the religious allegory view. So, if you were more finding something of a an allegorical nature, and more say like environmental or in pop culture or something like that, then you know make your adjustments as necessary. But I did find this to be highly entertaining. All right, <clears throat> and it goes like this: quote. Alright, so think about it like this. Javier Bardem is God. Jennifer Lawrence is Mother Earth. The movie starts. She wakes up. She's like, yo, where's this motherfucker at? She goes outside, and there ain't shit as far as you can see. No people, no houses, nothing, just grass and shit. This is the Earth, pre-human civilization. He pops up behind her, and she's like, what are you up to? And he's like, nothing, just working on some shit, it's nothing. But, you know, he's up to some shit. By the way, he's a poet in the movie. She's like, okay, I'm just going to keep working on the house, which represents physical Earth and is an extension of Mother Earth herself. All of a sudden, boom, some dude arrives. This is Adam mother earth is like yo what the fuck is this god this is our shit we built this you can't just bring someone else and on our shit god is like nah it's cool trust me she's like okay i guess and all of a sudden god and adam are super close god is like yo adam i made you and adam is like bro lol that's dope yo what's that crystal thing god is like you can't touch it it's mine i made that from the last time i destroyed everything this is the forbidden fruit then a little while later mother earth walks in on adam puking in the toilet after a night of drinks with god and she sees he's got a nasty ass wound right on his ribs this is adam's rib that god used to create eve sure enough next day boom eve is here mother earth is like yo what the fuck there's another one and god is like yeah it's cool just chill and eve is a conniving bitch too she's like oh man this is a nice place show me around psych i'm gonna go up here to this office and mother earth is like you can never go in there this is the garden of eden mother earth is like yo god i told you i don't like these people i want them out of here this is my shit and god is still like no i'm telling you it's cool they got nowhere else to go then one day smash you hear some glass break and what do you know it's that crystal and who broke it fucking adam and eve of course god runs in is like what the fuck i told y'all not to touch it everybody get the fuck out then he boards the room up thus banishing adam and eve from the garden of eden right when they're about to leave all of a sudden their two sons come busting in the house that's cain and abel mother earth is like what the fuck they have kids too and god is like it's cool i'll take care of this cain is like yo dad what the fuck you're leaving everything in your will to abel what about me and abel is like you suck bro i'm dad's favorite cain is like shut the fuck up abel i'm gonna kill you and abel's like nah god comes in and he's like kane you need to chill bro Cain is like okay sight i'm gonna kill this motherfucker and proceeds to bash his head in with a doorknob Cain takes off into the wilderness to become a restless wanderer god and adam and eve take abel to the hospital then god and adam and eve come back and tell mother earth that abel's dead then all these other people show up out of nowhere to mourn his death they start tearing shit up they're breaking shit left and right and there's this one sink in the kitchen they keep sitting on mother earth is like y'all better get get off that shit i swear to god and they're like nah and the sink breaks water starts spraying everywhere and mother earth is like yo everyone get the fuck out my house this is the great flood everybody is gone then god and mother earth start arguing she's like why do you keep allowing people in our house and he's like this is my house too and these are my fans and they love my poetry she's like oh yeah you want to create some shit how about you fuck me for once damn and we'll create some beautiful shit he's like i got you they start making out on the stairs and then we cut to the next scene and they're in bed and she's like i'm pregnant he's like well what we just fucked last night and she's like yeah but i know he's like dope we're gonna have a baby this is the immaculate conception of jesus he all happy and she's like, cool, well I'm going to start cleaning up the apocalypse in the kitchen. That's called foreshadowing, kids. So now we fast forward and Mother Earth is pregnant and she's nesting for the baby and shit. While she's doing that, God is like, man, I'm feeling inspired and he starts writing again. She's like, whatever, I'm not going to bother you then. Then he's like, I'm done and she reads it and she's like, it's beautiful. Then his publisher shows up and it's Kristen Wig. what the fuck, and Mother Earth is like, what the fuck is she doing here? And God is like, she read it and she loved it. And Mother Earth is like, 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 how the fuck did she read it already? We don't even have internet. But God is like, nah, chill. Time to buckle up because this is where this shit starts getting crazy. Now, all these people are showing up at the house and they're like, God, we love your work. We idolize you. We just want you to touch us. This is the start of Christianity, or really most religions. Mother Earth is like, what the fuck? No, God, don't let them in here. But God is like, nah, they're my fans. I gotta share my shit with them. But these fans are nuts and they start eating all of Mother Earth's good food and ripping up the house and taking anything that they may have been touched by God. But God is still like, ah, oh, I love these people and they love me and it feels awesome mother earth is like what the fuck god i'm praying with your kid that's not enough for you but now these people are getting downright fucking nuts they're fighting over shit and killing each other kristen wig is shooting motherfuckers execution style in the back of the head she's like is it hot in here or is it just me lol global warming riot please show up people start blowing shit up all of a sudden people are locked in cages and shit is just going absolutely bananas while all this is going on mother earth is going into labor she's crawling through the house trying to find god but she keeps running into crazier and crazier shit finally god comes and he's like oh shit let's get you somewhere safe and he drags her through the crowd and breaks open the doors to the garden of eden takes her in there and barricades them inside shit is still going nuts outside while she's giving birth she's screaming loud as fuck and then boom baby pops out god is like it's a boy because it's jesus and all of a sudden everything outside gets silent mother earth is like why the fuck is it so quiet out there? God is like, they're just waiting to see the baby. They brought us gifts, and it's a bunch of fruit and blankets and shit. Then God is like, let me hold him. Mother Earth is like, no, I know what you're up to. God is like, that's my kid, let me hold him. And Mother Earth is like, fuck no, go away. Then they just go into an epic stare down. They're staring at each other for like three days while she holds Jesus. Apparently, he didn't need to shit or pee or anything. Then, finally, Mother Earth loses the staring contest and dozes off for like literally a second and wakes up and Jesus is gone. She runs outside, and God is holding up Jesus, and the crowd is going nuts. She goes to grab Jesus, but it's too late. God has already passed him into the crowd. Jesus is being passed around and is unleashing three days' worth of pee on the crowd. I'm not kidding. He is literally peeing into the crowd, and they love it. Mother Earth is running through the crowd trying to catch her baby, but baby Jesus is just crowd surfing and pissing everywhere when all of a sudden his neck fucking snaps. That shit was fucking crazy easy mother earth is like what the fuck you killed my son and they're like we're sorry but he died for us and they start fucking eating baby Jesus God is like no baby it was an accident we have to forgive them mother earth is like fuck all you motherfuckers and she runs to the basement she's had it up to here with this shit she grabs a lighter and an axe and goes up to this big ass tank of oil and hits it with the axe and spills oil everywhere God comes running down and he's like no don't do it these are my people I love you and mother earth is like you don't love me you only love that i love you and she sets the fucking house on fire the motherfucking apocalypse the whole house pretty much bursts into flames everyone inside dies the house explodes and you see mother earth's face literally burning as she sheds a tear Cut to the next scene, and there's smug-ass God standing out there in perfect condition. You know, because he's God and nothing hurts him. He picks Mother Earth up out of the ashes, and she's barely breathing. She's like, I'm dead. And he's like, wait, I need one more thing. And she's like, motherfucker, I gave you everything, and now I'm dying. He's like, I need your heart. And she's like, okay, I guess. I don't need it anymore. So he digs into her chest, pulls her heart out. She dies. Then he squeezes her heart, and it becomes the crystal thing that was the forbidden fruit. Next scene, Mother Earth wakes up, and she's like, yo, where's this motherfucker at? But it's not Jennifer Lawrence end of movie.
1: End quote: uh, I'm not going to lie. I think that synopsis made me like this movie even more. <laughs> 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 yeah, I need to rewatch this again, because like I picked up on a lot of that stuff, but I I don't know, like I kind of wonder, and I, I don't know if, if this we could if in the future we can have another segment where we go back and revisit divisive movies such as this one and like do you think it would be a possibility that you might like this movie a little bit more now that you know kind of what to expect
0: i don't know about the only way i could see myself really and truly watching this again um
1: is on a lot of lsd
0: no, on it is to, this would be an as awful as movie was someone, to watch No, no, is if is if someone with a really open mind who had never seen it before was willing to sit down and watch it, because then I could kind of watch the movie and experience it as they're experiencing it for the first time, which might help me gauge it a little differently, or you know, have a better viewpoint. Because I just at this point I would never. I would be okay never watching this movie
1: again. Every time one of your daughters turns 15 or 16, this is going to be the first movie they watch (laughs) with with you, But, uh, like, so do you, I mean, was the movie as unsettling, though, to you? Like, I, I, I think that my big complaint is that you're hit with so much stuff in the tail end of this movie, in the last act, that when the baby's neck snaps... I'm just kind of like, you know, that sucks, and that's, I mean, that's awful, but, like, I didn't leave the theater, like, saddened, and it didn't, like, ruin my evening like it did so many other people. In fact, I left the movie theater with a smile on my face because I got a kick out of watching something that was, you know, that that I've never really seen a, a major studio put out in such a long time.
0: Well, I guess I don't know. I suppose it wasn't as ridiculously jarring as the Human Centipede two, where oh, the, the baby gets trapped under the uh, pedal. Pedal, you know. Yeah, that was awful. That's what I'm saying. You know, but it, strictly speaking, it's pretty close second. <laughs> but um, I don't know. Again, this is why I said it. I just think it was. It was just too in your face. It was too over the top it was too um it was just too much it was too strong and i don't um it has nothing to do with the religious overtones or um however you want to see the allegorical nature of the movie uh though i do believe that this is closer to what aronofsky was going for um who grew up secular jew by the way Darren Aronofsky grew up in a secular Jewish household, really only focused on you know major holidays and stuff like that. So it's not even like it's necessarily an attack on Christianity or anything like that. But do you, do you think it's a little pretentious? Like I he's do. showing off. I, I guess, and that's what I mean. Yeah, that that's why I said it was like he has to make sure that you understand whether or not you like it or even agree. He's the smartest person in the room, and. And for me, that just it's there's there's nothing to it makes it really hard to appreciate that um, because I I do think that he is smart I do think he was trying to do something here and I and you know a for effort but uh, you know it's not the effort that we're looking at it's the finished product so uh, you know but I mean I'm, I'm definitely willing to have fun with it hence the spoiler
1: review. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think for me, like after the avalanche of events, once that comes to a halt and the credits start to roll, I just couldn't help but wonder if any of this stuff, like, actually does tie out or work together, you know, as an overall movie. Like, how does the bleeding heart tie in? And the yellow liquid that she drinks? Is the yellow liquid that she's drinking supposed to represent drugs? and then was she like hallucinating all this therefore the whole religious allegory kind of goes down the drain i you know what i mean like she sees the the bleeding vagina in the in in the floorboard and then what is the furnace supposed to mean i get what like all those isolated things are supposed to mean but when you start thinking about well how does all this stuff tie tie together especially with the blatant slaps in the face <laughs> during the last act that you just kind of wonder like is it supposed to only be secluded to one thing were there multiple things he was going for with symbolism or with allegories or you know or, or whatever and to me that's where i don't know if it was just if it was pretentiousness or if it was just a misfire on aronofsky's part And I think it could have definitely been worse. I thought that the movie was going to go full Rosemary's Baby where you found out Javier Bardem was Satan and Ed Harris and Michelle Pfeiffer were members of some kind of satanic cult and they were trying to cultivate her, Jennifer Lawrence into giving birth to the Antichrist or something like that. They didn't go down that path. Once I started thinking about that and tried to like piece moments or tie tie in moments to that ultimate scenario, the movie did take other turns to where I was genuinely surprised and down with wherever you know down with whatever avenue the movie was going to take until the movie took the the ultimate avenue, (laughs) which was the last act of this, of this movie. But there's one thing that I do want to mention really quick from, uh, again, the uh, variety.com article here uh, that I thought was very interesting. Um, And this is another little quote from this article, film review, Jennifer Lawrence and mother by Owen Gleiberman. And quickly it says this mother is a nightmare played as a hallucination played as a theater of the absurd video game. That seems to descend level by level to more and more extreme depths of depraved intensity. You could say that Aronofsky is drawing on the shining, the isolated setting and Bardem's stony uh, resentment and also on Rosemary's Baby, the greatest of all paranoid horror films. If so, however, he heads right for the film's in-your-face, party-with-the-devil final scene, which director Roman Polanski took an entire two-hour movie to work up to. The movie was a bad dream vision of pregnancy in which Rosemary paid the price for her trust in naivety, but what exactly is the sin Lawrence is paying for. And what I pulled from that little piece, I think Aronofsky easily could have taken a handful of those like revelations of those aspects and symbolic whatever and allegory, you know, whatever that he was reaching for, just only a couple of them and make those things his final act. And I think that would have been more satisfying and more of like, I don't know, more of a shock or what. But I think more, not only just audiences, like general audiences, but I think even people like me would have, would have genuinely gotten more from this movie. Because I don't want to have to go back and rewatch a movie because there was just too much stuff. That's not as fun. I want to go back and rewatch the movie because there are little things that I missed that'll add to why I already enjoyed the movie. I don't know. It felt like he was trying to be Polanski, but he just didn't handle it in a Polanski fashion, where, to me, I think this movie would have benefited greatly. But then again, it could have been much more like Rosemary's Baby, and we didn't want a direct copy of that. Matt gave this movie 1.75, and me, Tim, gave Mother 3.75 out of 5, bringing the SLS cast total to a whopping 275
0: This does, of course, bring us to the conclusion of the movies. Next week's movie is going to be My Cousin Rachel. We'll also be having another copycat throwdown where we're going to compare 2017's My Cousin Rachel with 1952's My Cousin Rachel. Um, And you can actually get those both on Amazon, rent or buy. So look out, folks. You don't have to go to the movies this week. I mean, you still can if you want, especially
1: if you have a movie pass, right? So that's always there.
0: Um, and uh, without further ado, I guess it's time for the spiel, is it not, sir?
1: What if if everybody had movie pass, we could all like play a sick joke on the box office, and like everybody planned on going to see Nut Job Two, Nutty by Nature on the same day, so it got a surge of millions upon millions of dollars. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sure they're probably gonna do that kind of stuff. I'm sure MoviePass is going to do that. They're going to go, "Hey everybody, we'll give you a special deal. You'll get a, you know, like a bonus day or, you know, we'll give you uh, a a credit, of, you know, for a dollar or two off your next month or something if you go and see you know, Nutty by Nature on this day." And then they can go to the studio and go, "See, look what we did. We just gave you an extra 10 million dollars." So, um, it's not a it's not a bad idea. Anyway,
1: Spiel 1. Is there something wrong with the food? No, the food was excellent. Perhaps you're not happy with the service? No, no, no complaints. It's just that we have to go. I'm having rather a heavy period. And we have a train to catch. Oh. Oh, yes, yes, of course, we have a train to catch. And I don't want to start bleeding all over the seats.
0: Listening to as always has been Bart's Pride Music Partners Carize of Solace. You can check them out at ReadFormation.com and Facebook.com. Both Slash of Solace. As for us, we are, of course, the SLS cast, and you can find us at SLScast.com. You can send us an email to the show at SLScast.com. You can follow us on Twitter at the SLS Cast. You can also follow me. This is Matt on Twitter at @netwit 12345 You can, of course, come aboard that information, Superhighway, and track down Tim on Twitter if that's your heart's desire. Don't forget, you can always subscribe to us on iTunes and or favorite us on Stitcher Radio, and as well as follow us on the old SoundCloud so until next week this is Matt saying that thanks to Michelle Pfeiffer I get to say this ultimately I believe the only secret to a happy marriage is choosing the right person life is a series of
1: choices right take care cinephiles and we'll talk at you again next week perhaps we should be going there ah. we are miss Thank you so much. So nice to see you. And I hope very much we will see you again very soon. Au revoir, monsieur.